Tommy Green. I'm the associate pastor here at Centerpoint. And this morning, we're going to wrap up our series on identity. Matter of fact, inside your bulletin, you're going to find an insert with an outline entitled, I'm a Citizen of Heaven. If you need a pen to fill in the blanks, if you just raise your hand, our ushers would love to come by and get you a pen. Um, I truly believe personally that this is probably the, probably the most important series that we've gone through uh, as a church. Um, I believe that when we understand who we are and who God's created us to be and, and, and what you believe about yourself, what you believe about God, what you believe about heaven, all of that affects who you are. It has an impact on the way that you live, has an impact on the way that you do life. And so um, I'm very excited this morning to have the opportunity to kind of wrap this up as we take a look at what does it mean to be a citizen of heaven? You know, if, if I go to another country and I'm somewhere and someone asks me, who are you? So, well, I'm, I'm an American. I, that's where I'm from. I'm a, I'm, so I identify with I'm an American. Well, as Christians, we identify that, that you know, we're from heaven. I mean, we're, we're citizens from that realm more than we are citizens of this realm. And so this morning, that's what we're going to take a look at. Before we get started, we're going to have a word of prayer. Will you join me? Father, I just want to come before you this morning. And Lord, as we take a look at your word, Lord, I pray that you would challenge us that you would change us, Lord, that you would truly begin to impact uh, the way that we live on this earth uh, because of, of who you are and what you've called us to do. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit, I invite your Holy Spirit to come to speak through me this morning, to illuminate your word, to bring revelation from your word uh, that would uh, truly challenge us, to, uh, truly impact the way we live. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, point A on your outline states, that I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and this earth is not my permanent home. It's not my permanent home. Paul says this in Philippians, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are, are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our savior. The writer of Hebrews goes on to say, for this world is not our permanent home. We're looking forward to a home yet to come. A popular revivalist in the, in the 1900s, Vance Harvin, he, he, this is the way he stated it, which I just thought was amazing. If you are a Christian, you are not a citizen of this world trying to get to heaven. You are a citizen of heaven making your way through this world. This world is not our permanent home. We're only passing through. We're citizens of heaven living upon the earth. We're not citizens of the earth trying to work our way to heaven. And when we begin to see the, the, our mentality change about where we belong, it changes and it impacts the way that we live. What does it mean to be a citizen of heaven? Well, citizen is simply a person who legally belongs to a country and has that rights and the protection of that country. Citizens adopt the culture and practices of the country to which they belong. You and I legally belong to heaven. And because of that, we are governed by the laws and the principles of heaven. And we also get to partake in the privileges of heaven. Let me give you an example. One of the laws or the law of heaven is love. Love God. Love your friends and your family and your acquaintances. And love your enemies. A principle of heaven is it's better to give 
than it is to receive. It's better to serve someone than to be served. When someone does something wrong to you, your response should be forgiveness, not vengeance. Those are principles of heaven. There's also some benefits or some privileges that come along with being a citizen of heaven. Uh, Number one is that I get to live a righteous life. I am free from guilt and from shame. Another awesome privilege that I get is that that, um, I can have a peace that passes all understanding. When I'm going through hard times in this world, because I'm a citizen of heaven, I get benefits to have a peace that other people don't have. Because I'm a citizen of heaven, I can experience on this earth joy unspeakable. That's a benefit. Now, the laws of this earth and the benefits of this earth are a little bit different, okay? The natural law of the earth, the scientists will tell you, is this. Eat or be eaten. (laughs) It's survival of the fittest. Eat or be eaten. Climb the ladder of success and don't worry who you step on along the way. The person with the most toys at the end wins. Get yours. Get as much pleasure and enjoy out of this world as you can. Just squeeze it all out. That's the principles of the world in which we live. And because we're citizens of heaven, we live differently. Now here's a note on your outline. And that is, I did nothing to earn my citizenship in heaven. Okay? I did nothing. All I did was believe. I mean, here's what it says in Colossians. Paul says, says, For he, talking about Jesus, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. See, I didn't earn my citizenship in heaven. Jesus, when I believed in him, he took me out of the realm of darkness, the citizenship of this world, and he placed me as a citizen of heaven. He transferred me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He did that. I didn't do that. But because he's done that, because I'm a citizen of heaven, it requires me to live different than I would otherwise. Here's what the next part of your statement on your outline says. Because I'm a citizen of of the kingdom of heaven and this earth is not my home, I should live different. Okay? Because of those things, I should live different. Here's the first way I should live different. I live by faith. I live by faith. The writers of Hebrews states that faith is this. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. I've never seen heaven, but I have an assurance that it's there. I have a confidence in what I hope for. I hope it's there, okay? I have a confidence that heaven is real. I have a confidence that that is my permanent home. I have a confidence that this world is passing away, but the kingdom of heaven never fades away. And because I believe that, it challenges me and it changes me to live different. I live in faith. Now listen, I can believe that all day long. I can believe, how many of y'all believe heaven's real? Okay? All of our hands raised up. All of us believe that heaven's real, okay? Believing in heaven and having faith in heaven is real are two different things. Let me, let me, I've used this example before, but let me use an example. 
this chair, this stool right here, okay? I can believe all day long that when I sit on this chair, that I'm going to not fall to the ground, okay? I can believe it all day long. Man, that chair, that chair is sturdy. It looks sturdy. If I sit on it, it's not going to fall. I can believe that. I can believe heaven is real. But the only time that I put faith in this chair is when I actually sit on it. I have faith that this chair will not fall. I put my belief into action. Faith is not just believing. Faith is doing something different because you believe in something. That's faith. And because I have faith in heaven, it challenges me and it changes me to live different upon the earth. Uh, the best example in the Bible, you can read the... Matter of fact, I want to encourage you to go home and you can write this down in your notes. Read the whole chapter of Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is a record of all of the patriarchs of our faith. It, and it, it's a great... It talks about Abraham and Noah and Enoch and, all, and Joseph and all the great people that we read about in the Bible. And it talks about how their faith in another world changed the way they lived upon this world. And I want to read you one excerpt of it talking about Abraham, which is the father of our faith, because he put his faith, he put his belief in action. This is what it says about Abraham. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and to go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with an internal foundation, a city designed and built by God. Abraham was willing to leave his home when God said, pack your bags, you're leaving. And Abraham went, where am I going? And God said, I'll show you when we get there. Abraham was willing to take that step of faith because he believed in God and he believed there was a better world yet to come. And he believed that the comforts of this world were no comparison to the comforts of the world to come. And because of that, he was willing to take a risk. Faith, I always spell faith because it, it takes a risk for me to sit on this chair and make sure it doesn't make, let me fall. I had to take a risk. I had to, to take my weight off of the ground that took a risk. Faith always takes risk. It's spelled R-I-S-K. You don't have any faith without any risk. And Abraham took risk. When he heard God, he obeyed him. Now, my brother, uh, his name is Danny. And you can tell he's my brother because he kind of looks like me. He's got a hat on because he doesn't have any hair. We kind of look a lot alike, but I have more hair and I look a little better than he does. But besides that, we're a lot alike. And my brother is um, one of my heroes of the faith. Um, three years ago, uh, my brother and uh, his wife, uh, my brother had a dream on a certain night. And in the dream, he's in the middle of, on a map. He's standing on a map in this country called Belize. And he sees from where he's at, a fire begin to spread over this map. And because of that dream, um, he thought, wow, that was kind of strange. Maybe I ate some bad pizza or what. Well, like two days later, he gets a call from someone who lives in Belize and asking him to come minister in Belize. 
Either that's God or that's some really strange coincidence. Well, along the way, he gets confirmation after confirmation after confirmation that he felt like and he believed that God was calling him and his family to move to Belize. So what he did is he took his belief in that and he turned it into faith. He sold everything that he had or gave it away, including uh, his home, his car. He packed all those things up and his family and they moved to the country of Belize, uh, one of the only English-speaking uh, countries in South America. And while he's there, he be, for, for a year, for a year and a half, he begins to develop relationships all throughout the country. He begins to minister to uh, pastors and to missionaries. And all of a sudden, he begins to build this. God begins to give him great influence in the country. And now he has moved back to the United States, and he takes teams of churches to Belize to minister there. And this is a picture of, of him ministering in Belize. And when he goes for 10 to 12 nights, uh, every, every trip they go, they're ministering to six to, uh, or uh, three to 4,000 people when they go to certain places. All because he took a step of faith. He took his belief and he turned it into action. He took a risk. Because of that, he's opened up him uh, some um, opportunities to actually go to um, uh, Guyane. Guyana, he's going to Guyana this next, uh, this next year and taking a team there. But God has opened up all kinds of doors for him. Why? Because he believed the comforts of this world, his home, his job, his uh, being around family, that those did not compare to the comforts of heaven, of taking that risk. See, God doesn't mind, okay, that we have stuff. What he's really concerned with is, does our stuff have us? Do we have to ask permission of our stuff? Do we have to ask permission of our comforts before we actually obey God? Faith says, go. And so I want to encourage you that because earth is not our permanent home, it's, a, it's just like a vapor. It's very short. It allows us to take risk in doing that. Uh, English clergyman man by the name of Charles Kingsley put it this way, and I love this. It says, it says, I do not want to merely possess a faith. I want a faith that possesses me. Can we read this together? Because this is what I want to be true about my life. I do not want merely to possess a faith. I want a faith that possesses me. I don't want to just believe. I want my belief to be turned into action that faith requires me to live differently upon the earth. So because I'm a citizen of heaven, I live by faith. Other thing I do is this. I don't allow the pleasures of this world to capture my affections. I don't allow them to capture my affections. Peter says this. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your souls. The pleasures and the comforts of this world can be barriers or roadblocks to me stepping out in faith and taking risk. The more stuff I have, the more possessions I have, the more comfort I have, the more success I have in this world, the greater risk I have in following God. Because the more stuff I have to check with, the more stuff I have to get permission from. I'm sure when my brother went to Belize, 
that him and his wife had some discussions of, we just bought this car. And following God might mean giving that up. Maybe. Maybe. It might mean that our kids are homeschooled in a different country instead of the private school they go to. Maybe. But they're willing to believe that the comforts of this world are no comparison to the rewards in heaven. And so they don't allow themselves to get wrapped up into the things that don't really matter. How do we do that? How do we, how do we live like that? Because I want to know. I want to live like that. But I find myself too many times being so concerned about my success or my reputation or my stuff or my children's comfort that I'm not willing to dream big. Here's the way we do it. I must allow the realities of heaven to overshadow the realities of this earth. In my life, I must believe that the realities of heaven are more real than the realities of this earth. Can I tell you that's a true statement? Let me tell you why. This earth, one day, will completely pass away. The chair that you're sitting in will be no more. This world that we know will be no more. It's passing away. Heaven never passes away. Heaven is more real than this world. And if I believe that, I should live, do something about it. Colossians 3.1 says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in his place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. You know, many people believe that, you've heard a statement, you know, that, that she is so heavenly minded that she doesn't do any earthly good. Have you ever heard that statement before? Or talk about the, the truth is that's a lie. Okay, that's a lie we believe. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, if you read history, you will find that Christians who did the most for the present world were those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they had become so ineffective in this. Because I'm a citizen of heaven, I live by faith. I do not let the pleasures of this world capture my affections. And I store up treasures in heaven. That's what I do. I'm a citizen of heaven. So I get the, I get the opportunity to do one of two things. I can store up treasures for me here on earth or I can store up treasures for me in heaven. Jesus said this, Don't store up for treasures here on the earth, where moth eats them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there is desire. There the desires of your heart will be also. Ephesians 6.8 says, Remember that the Lord will reward each of, you, each of us for the good we do. And he also goes on to say in Luke, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasures for you in heaven. And the uh, purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasures will be 
your treasures will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Living with the belief that everything that I do on this earth, when I get to heaven, will either be a reward or be a regret, challenges me to make the most of the life that I have to live. Okay? Because everything, when I get to heaven, everything that I have done on the earth is either going to be a reward or it's going to be a regret. You know, did I... Let me read this. Let me read this. Our lives are but a vapor, a brief moment, a dash between two dates. Are we making the most of it? Instead of living for the new job, the new car, the new house, and all the other stuff, why don't we live for something more? What if we spend our time, our money, and life making a difference in the lives of others. What if we did that? What if we took our possessions and everything that we believe that God has given us and we use that to impact the world around us? Can I tell you what my greatest regret is going to be when I get to heaven? I I know it already. My greatest regret is going to be people. The people that are not there with me that I had a chance to impact. That will be my greatest regret. Did I use the time, did I use my resources to impact people's life and to turn their, help turn their hearts towards Jesus? Because if I really look at heaven, I really believe what my rewards are. My rewards are people. It's my kids there with me. It's my coworker. It's my dad. I have people come to me all the time and say, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm scared to talk to my family about Jesus. Because I'm scared they're going to reject me. I'm scared they're not going to understand it. And it's going to cause conflict in our relationship. That could be true. But can I tell you, the risk is worth the reward. I want to encourage some of you today. If you have the opportunity to speak to a loved one, to share with a loved one of what God has done in your life, it could be the greatest reward that you have in heaven. leads me to my fourth point. As citizens of heaven, you and I are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. We're ambassadors. Here's what ambassadors do. An ambassador represents their country and they have the authority of that country backing them. You and I are representatives of heaven on the earth. It's what we are. We have the opportunity to talk about how good heaven is, how good the king of heaven is. And we get to share that with other people. Paul says this in in 
2 Corinthians. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. That's what Paul said about himself. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I, so pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Can we pray that? That God would allow us to speak boldly for him as we should? As ambassadors, we have, we have an obligation to represent heaven on earth. And the responsibility to represent heaven and the responsibility to share the good news with other people that live here on the earth. We're ambassadors because we are aliens and foreigners in this world and we do not belong to it. So as a citizen of heaven, I live by faith. I don't allow the things of this world to entangle me I store up treasures for heaven. I'm an ambassador of heaven. And last but not least, I am not surprised when I go through difficulties. Because I belong to heaven, I do, I am not surprised when I go through difficulties. Peter, one of the apostles, said this, says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partner with Christ in this suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it is revealed to all the world. It goes on to say, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we, we can see now. Rather, we fix on the things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now soon will be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. I think Paul had it right. I dare say that Paul did more good in this world than anyone I can think of. Besides Christ, I think Paul, he was a, a missionary, was an ambassador of the kingdom of God that helped spread. Matter of fact, you and I are sitting here today because of Paul's life. Paul did what he did because he didn't think that the trials and the tribulations of this world were anything but an opportunity to shine the light of Jesus on those around him. We're going to go through difficult times in this world. You know why? Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. It's a cursed world. And bad things happen. Sickness. People lose their jobs. 
People go through heartache. They go through death. It's part of living in this cursed world. We're going to go through. Matter of fact, Jesus said this. He says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But cheer up. I've overcome the world. Don't think it's strange. Remember, this world is only just, it's a vapor. It's just but a moment. Eternity is forever. I think many of you have seen Francis Chan's illustration of the long rope where he has a long rope that goes all the way out the room. And he's got a little bit of piece of tape on it. It says, this tape represents your life on this world. This rope, imagine that it never ends. That's eternity. Which are you living for? I think many of us have to find out what are we living for. Here's a lie that many of us believe on the earth. If I get everything I desire in this world, I'll be satisfied. Now, we might not say this is what we believe, but this is sometimes the way I live. If I can just get the new car, if I can just get the new job, if I can just, I'll be satisfied. Can I tell you the new car, it might bring you happiness until you get the first scratch in it or the kids spill the first big old deal of Gatorade on it, okay? But that car is going to eventually let you down. Might be 300,000 miles from now, but it's eventually going to let you down. The things that we place in heaven will never let us down. Here's the truth. This world is passing away, and true satisfaction only comes from doing the will of God. Here's what John said. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only cravings for physical pleasure and cravings for everything we see and the pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. It's not wrong to have a car. I need to get to work. It's not wrong to have a house. It's not even wrong to have a nice house. It's not wrong to have a nice job and to desire uh, to do good in that job. But the question is, is, does that house have me? Does that car have me? Does the desire for that job, is it the most first and most important priority in my life? And do I have to ask its permission before I follow God? Do I have to ask its permission? Because when I have to ask its permission, I've placed it higher than God. I've said it's more important than God. So it's okay to have things in this world. It's just not okay for the things of the world to have our hearts. Because we're citizens of heaven, I live by faith. Because I'm a citizen of heaven, I don't allow the pleasures of this world to capture my affections. Because I'm a citizen of heaven, I store up treasures in heaven. Because I'm a citizen of heaven, I'm an ambassador for the kingdom of heaven. And because I'm a citizen of heaven, I am not surprised when I go through difficulties. Will you pray with me? Father, this morning, I just want to thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to dive into your word. 
Lord, I ask that, I pray that more than anything else, Lord, today that we have been challenged by what your word says about us and what it says about where we belong and what our allegiance to. Is our allegiance to this world or is our allegiance to the world to come? Father, I pray that you would make us good ambassadors. Lord, those that are willing to talk about the goodness of God in the land of the living. And Father, I just pray that um, more than anything else, Lord, I pray that you would um, cause our, our thoughts to be heavenly, which would allow our actions to be earthly in the fact that, Lord, we do good here on the earth. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.